Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. And his co-host, Ashley Bishop. What is up, Ashley? Oh, is March over yet? <laughs> In like a lion, out like a lamb. Oh, crying out loud. I'm over this month. <laughs> so we did the two episodes of kind of our peer peer support group and talked last week. And, and we know you had that pretty, um, I would say, just in your face case where you had to deal with an attack, an active attack. And just wanted to check in and see how you're you're doing. I'm doing pretty good. Um, it has uh, gotten a lot nicer here. Um, you know, we're we're hitting fifties and stuff. So definitely been going out and doing a lot more walks and stuff with my kids to try to get some of that pent up energy um, from that because it like you, you still feel that anxious. Like this whole week, I kind of felt like I you know that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach where you're like, Oh crap, I'm going to get in trouble for something. I get it every day. (laughs) And like, I know I have not done anything wrong this week, but the entire week, it was just that feeling of, okay, when am I going to get yelled at? But see, that's, that is, that's something that I didn't share last week. That is a symptom of burnout, right? Like, and you have this almost insecurity about everything that you think you did something wrong when you really didn't. And so I totally feel what you're saying. And I think a lot of our listeners can relate. Yeah. So that's definitely been this week, but trying to do my best to do some self-care, you know, take my kids and my dog on a walk and be done with work when I get done with work. So that's great. Well, this is episode 73. Whew. We we got a good one. We, we do. And this one, so we're actually going into an animal shelter this week. And I'm really excited about this. Those who know me uh, know I'm from Pittsburgh, as they like to call it, but Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, we have a couple of Yinzers that are going to join us. I'm going to talk all Pittsburgh today. I'm going to say gum bands and hoagies and pop. Anyway, they're probably what the hell are you? You're talking yeah, just, another it's language. Fine. I know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I'm really excited. We have a couple guests from the Animal Friends in Pittsburgh, PA, going to join us here shortly. So really excited to introduce them in a, in a few. And then we have um, we have an awesome update from NACA coming later in the program as well. So stay tuned for that. And just want to remind everybody to check out our website. That is thehumaneroundup.com. And our Facebook page is uh, Humane Roundup or the Humane Roundup. We also have that Humane Roundup group. Don't forget to check out H.O. Bishop and or Daniel, what am I again? Animal Protection Officer Daniel on Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) Now, I want to jump into the show because I'm excited, but I also want to talk about a few things that we we don't often get. And so I'm I'm going to try to encourage more and more of this is we got a voicemail. We got a shout out. And I'm really excited to play that shout out here live. And we're going to react to it. Um, But for those of you that are listening, our phone number is on our website. But if you happen to have a pen handy, you can write down our number. And not driving. Well, whatever. <laughs> we take calls all the time. I was going to say, we're just going to pretend that we follow the rules on that. Like you've never been on your MDT while driving. Right. Um, so that, that phone number for our <laughs> listeners is 916-241-3464. 916-241-3464. And then you... As our listener, you can call and do stuff like this. This is Jennifer Madison. I'm the Kirkland Animal Control Officer. And I just wanted to do a shout out to my sister jurisdiction animal control officer, Christy Boucher. Um, She's quite an amazing officer. She's very knowledgeable. She also works on our animal control association for the state of Washington for the academy. She's dedicated to her job and I would be lost without her. So this one's for you, girl. Keep going. Bye. And keep it humane, Maine. 
That's awesome. That's, yeah, that is. That is absolutely it, awesome. And I hope we get more of those. Well, with, with yeah, with Animal Control Officer yep. Appreciation Week coming in a few weeks, send those to us and we're going to get them on. We have a whole week of celebration going on, bonus episodes that entire week. Probably going to have to do two a days, but we'll see. And I uh, just want your feedback. Just want you to, to shout out your fellow coworkers and show everyone how much we appreciate you. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds like maybe they were in different states. Did I hear that wrong? Um, I, you know, I, I don't. She said in, well, Washington. So I, I think they're in the same. Oh, state. yeah. Okay. I mis misunderstood it, that. But either way, I mean, even if you know people in other states, like, Give them a huge shout out. And let yeah. Them know that you're thinking of them. I'm going to give, um, let's see who I'll give a shout out to in a different state. I will give a shout out to, <laughs> put me on the spot. Why don't you? <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't talking to you specifically. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to all the officers in different states. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we as we move forward with the podcast, I think uh, just everybody listening, thank you for joining us again for episode 73. Uh, check out our Facebook page and our website and, and give us your feedback. We want to hear it. We want you to support your fellow officers. So make sure you do that in the coming weeks, please. It's, uh, you know, we don't get enough thank yous. And, and the more we get, the, mm. the better everybody feels. Absolutely. And you know what? Those Those thank yous could be enough to you know, help somebody working through like their burnout or whatever, just being acknowledged is a huge thing. I didn't think about sharing this until you just said that. So thank you for bringing <laughs> this up. I, so there was a situation where an uh, individual was held hostage um, at gunpoint and the SWAT team had to go in and the individual that was holding them hostage took his own life. During all this time, while the SWAT team went in the house, the dog got out and the dog was kind of cruising around the neighborhood, scared. Think about SWAT breaking into somebody's house. So the dog's scared. I tried catching it, missed a couple of times, and finally end, ended up catching it. Checked uh, Facebook. We have a few lost and found uh, pet groups on Facebook for mm -hmm. our area. So I checked Facebook, found somebody looking for the dog, made contact with them. They're like, hey, you know, the owner of the dogs in the hospital, there was a situation with the hostage, blah, blah, blah. Well, fast forward at least four months later, I get this random call and it's this old fellow. He's like, he's like, hey, sir, my name is so-and-so and I just wanted to thank you. I don't know if you know who my dog is, but I was that gentleman in the hostage situation a few months ago. And I'm just so thankful that you got my dog back. And Thank you so much. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my goodness, like four months later. Uh, how cool is that? And so I was very appreciative of that individual taking the time out of their day, just randomly calling and saying how thankful they, they were during such a traumatic experience to get their animal back. So, well, and think of the impact that you had on them for doing that if they did remember that four months later. Yeah, and like he was in the hospital huge. too for for a while. And obviously, I'm not making fun of him by by talking. That's just my old man voice. I don't know. That's how <laughs> that's how I'm gonna you sound in 40 years. I was well, gonna say you could just use your regular voice. I mean, welcome to episode 999. <laughs> <laughs> I got bit by a snapping turtle today. All right, all right. Let's introduce our next <laughs> guests. I'm excited, super excited to have our animal friends of Pittsburgh PA join us. And we're gonna have two special guests today. We have Carol Whaley and she, so she is the Director of Humane Programming. Did I get that right, Carol? You absolutely did, Dan. And then her guest, cause we keep it guest friendly here on the Humane <laughs> Roundup, is Krista Kuntz, who is the Humane Investigations Coordinator and their newest Humane Investigator. So welcome to the program. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> let's so Carol, let's let's kind of start with you and your role with Animal Friends of the Berg. Sure. So uh, I recently came into this role of director of humane programming, mostly because I sort of pushed it forward myself. I had been uh, working with local, state, and national legislators to advance uh, our advocacy work and to assist the animals here and across the nation. 
And uh, that just flowed really well with our humane investigations program. So I sort of found my niche and uh, created my own position here, uh, looking at both advocacy and legislation, as well as investigating those laws that are already on the books. Can we, awesome. can we say girl boss? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw on, I think I saw on your annual report, uh, something about a few of that, a few of those legislative items. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, we have a very good and close relationship with the state director for the HSUS here in Pennsylvania. And she helps sort of guide us through a lot of the state legislation, which is phenomenal. We've got some amazing bills coming out this year at the state level that are going to do wonderful things for the animals here in Pennsylvania. Uh, one of them is Victoria's Law, and we've been working on that for a couple years now. And Victoria's Law is a pet retail sales ban, and I know we've had those passed in many cities uh, throughout the country. And actually here in the city of Pittsburgh, we do have a pet retail sales ban. And so that's sort of propping up the retail sales ban at the state level. So we're very much looking forward to that. That's going to be a way to cut off that puppy mill pipeline. And unfortunately, Pennsylvania is, is known. Uh, the center of our state does hold a number of puppy mills. Same with Ohio, right? Ohio has a bunch there too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So we are trying to uh, cut off a source of income for those puppy mills. And it's very tricky. It's a very tricky situation. We have, obviously, we already have laws on the books uh, where we go out and inspect those puppy mills. However, they're not strong enough to actually shut them down. So one of the things, one of the things I envision as animal welfare continues, and I've had this vision for a while, is that so our traditional animal shelters, like the everyone, you can recognize what an animal shelter looks like, and and even like from the the old ones to the new ones, they just have a specific kind of vibe about them. What I'd like to see is like substations if you will or little retail spaces where we could okay. bring animals so like in the uh, in, in, like let's say in the south side and my pittsburgh people know what i'm talking about like you just have a little storefront that maybe you have three or four maybe five couple cats in there that you can rotate out so people don't have to come all the way out to the to the shelter and that'll I help think, i think that'll help with some of the puppy mill stuff too i think so too dan i think we're learning a lot um, recently about uh, how to better uh, pivot <laughs> during uh, certain times and really meet the needs and the wants of the community. So I think we are seeing a wholesale change across the country in how we have to um, react and how we have to uh, work with our communities to bring what they need. So I, I agree with you that Things are coming, things are changing, and I think for the better. Absolutely. I think, too, that there's a lot more education that needs to go out to people. Um, one of the things I see up here is people might recognize that they're buying from a puppy mill, and they're like, but I have to save it. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it's this horrible round robin of, okay, so now you bought this puppy, and they're just you're perpetuating their business. Um, right. So yeah, you're helping that one dog, but ultimately you're not helping them all. So it's, it's definitely one of those things that's so hard to handle. Right. And it's, um, it's difficult in our area. We have done an amazing job with spay neuter when it comes to dogs. So we're one of those areas, those organizations that is transferring dogs in because we cannot meet the demand for mm -hmm. very family-friendly, adoptable dogs here at our own facility in our own community. So uh, I can see why people are seeking those sources, but we do have to do a better job that when you put money in the pocket of a puppy mill, you're just continuing that cycle of abuse. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And 
I love hearing that in a place like Pittsburgh and, you know, living here in, in Colorado, we do the same thing, right? There's just a, a ton of animals that come from some of our other states, Texas, Louisiana, okay. right? And we have spay neuter laws in our city. And I know that's not the same in a lot of other jurisdictions. And some people may or may not feel like le legislation around uh, spay and neuter is the way they want to go. I will say from a level of just having that ability to enforce it, not that we're like going door to door and enforcing it that way. But if we are dealing with like a backyard breeder or somebody like that, then we can stop them from doing it from the legal side of it versus bigger things that, that may take longer for us to, to incorporate. So it helps out on the small scale when we run across it. Yeah, absolutely. That is a, a good uh, statute to have in your back pocket when you're dealing with those situations. The other thing and, and kind of segueing into something we did recently in our city is uh, we we banned declawing of cats. And I, I think that's something you have on the table as well, correct? <laughs> Dan, you need to help me. Yes, we do have that on the, the table. We've been working with the city of Pittsburgh for the past year. We started at the beginning of the pandemic and, and thought, yeah, what can I do <laughs> from home in this time that I have? So I did start working with a, a council member in Pittsburgh on introducing the declaw prohibition. And it's obviously laws take time and so it has taken a good bit of time we're finally in the stage where it should be coming uh, out of law review out of okay. the law department and so hopefully we'll be able to get that in front of city council very soon and do you have a do you have a veterinarian with you uh, on this bill talking about absolutely uh, okay. we actually have so animal friends has uh had a stance against declaw for years, okay. uh, decades, in fact, and we do uh, when we do adoptions of cats, we do have our adopters sign an agreement that states they will not seek to declaw the cat. Obviously, unfortunately, sometimes that happens anyway. Uh, so we wanted to have this on the books in the city of Pittsburgh and our two we have two veterinarians here at Animal Friends, two directors. One oversees our internal shelter medicine, and the other veterinarian oversees our external facing medicine. And both have signed on and written letters of support and will certainly come and testify when it is needed in support of the declaw prohibition. So we're feeling really confident, even though it's taken quite a bit of time to get it this far, we're feeling really confident. And the Are great you, thing- Yeah. The great thing is, we also hope to see that introduced at the state level. Great. That is great. And so it's more enforceable with us, obviously. I mean, I guess people can try anything, but it's in, it's really getting the veterinarians in your city to understand it's illegal now. And if they do it, not only is it a violation of a criminal uh, code, but it could be something that affects their license as well. And I think that's important uh, for those veterinarians to understand. And I, I think, Dan, I don't know if you saw it there. I think there are veterinarians that merely perform a declaw service because they're feeling pressured from a client. Sure. And this may be a good way for them to be able to say, I am not permitted. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like, yeah. hey, my boss said I can't do it. I'm sorry. Right, you know, right. yeah. Yep. Right. Awesome. So I, I love that stuff going on. I want to hear about some of this humane programming that you're behind. Do you, is it, do you, do you offer like humane ed classes? Talk to me about the, I guess there's an animal friends university that I want to know about. So uh, whatever you got on that, I, we're all, we're all ears. Sure. Well, the humane, uh, the animal friends university is more for um, dog training uh, learning how to live with your rabbit, things of that nature. But Krista, my guest, <laughs> does a, a lot of training locally for law enforcement here in our area. Got it. Well, really quick on that, on the like dog training stuff, that's all done in-house. Do you have like a center where you do it? Is it online? How does that work? It is. We do have a center. We actually sit on 80 acres 
of wooded land about six miles north of downtown Pittsburgh. And we have two buildings on our campus at this point. We have what we call our resource center, which is where our adoptable animals are housed, our medical department for the adoptables, our um, communications department, behind the scenes, our fundraising, all of that is in that building. And okay. it also has a beautiful wide space for training, but we also have a beautiful campus where trainings can take place outside uh, if needed. Obviously that's helpful during a pandemic when you have to social distance. Uh, and just a couple years ago, we built our animal wellness center and our humane investigations program is in that wellness center. Okay. And uh, as well as our external facing medical program. Got it. That's awesome. That's a huge center. How new is the building? Our animal wellness center was finished in 2017, okay. but we've been here with our resource center for 15 years and it is oh, sweet. It's okay. gorgeous. We started in the strip district where yes. uh, <laughs> we were walking dogs past, you know, garbage or discarded needles. And now we've got these beautiful wooded walking trails. We have calming cabins where you can take a dog and just sort of relax outside. We have a nice outdoor enclosure where we can take our cats to have a little bit of safe outdoor time. Uh, we have yeah, but they, they can't stop at Woolies anymore and get a fish sandwich or something. <laughs> that is true. You have to drive for that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. How cool is that, though? I, I love hearing that, you know, really taking the, the resource center and creating almost an environment where it's welcoming, right? It's people want to come there to kind of get away and, and have that ability to do some of the things that you mentioned. Yes. Awesome. All right. So I think we should, um, I know there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but in the interest of time today, I think we should talk to Krista about some of the humane investigation stuff that she handles as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I uh, started about two years ago um, coming out of uh, hospital law enforcement um, as the uh, humane investigations coordinator. Uh, so running our humane investigations department. Um, and was supposed to actually um, become a humane officer uh, quickly after I got hired, but unfortunately, the training uh, fell on the weekend of my wedding. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then COVID hit and pushed training back even more. So it's taken me a little bit to get trained. Um, but in that two years, uh, in between um, being uh, hired and then becoming a humane officer, I still did, you know, assisting on calls and, and there with investigations, case management, everything like that. Um, so even though I, I didn't do, you know, my own investigations for, for a little bit, I still have, you know, two years of experience doing uh, at least seeing the investigations happening. So um, what is what is your official title? My official title is Humane Investigations Coordinator okay. and Humane uh, Society Police Officer. Oh, number 26 oh. to the <laughs> list, because we got to add that Humane Society Police Officer there. <laughs> So in, and I, I know this from some of my friends back home, and this is where it's so different to me. And this is where I want to break it down. So like in the, in the Pittsburgh area, you, you like actually have dog catchers, right? They're like, their title is dog catcher. Um, we have animal control officers okay. um, in the city of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. And yeah. Like say, so like, let's talk about McKeesport for a second. Like there is like a, like a private kennel and he's a dog catcher um i mean so pennsylvania is weird because the, our animal control officers um and animal control in general don't have any formalized training so kind of anybody can be a private Ooh. private animal control and that's usually what they refer to themselves as is, is animal control um, but they're not like municipal animal control like um, like the city of Pittsburgh is. So you have private animal control facilities that do animal control on a contracted basis for a municipality. 
Got like, it. is it okay that that like gives me anxiety hearing you say that, that <laughs> they can do that without training? Yeah, and it and it gives us a lot of anxiety too because a lot of times, um, you know, we get called in for humane cases that started out by a private animal control company. Um, and that's and what I wanted to talk about. So let's say I'm the animal control officer or the private animal control company and I go out, there's a dog at large, right? Cause that's kind of what I respond to. Did they, did they do the bites too, or do you do the bites? But so this is, this is another issue that Pennsylvania has is that <laughs> there are multiple different types of animal welfare officers that do very different things. So we have Humane Society police officers, which is what we do. And we enforce the PA crimes code for animal abuse, neglect, and cruelty. Okay. Then you have animal control that does the running at large. They can do the licensing rabies, um, enforce, you know, whatever ordinance is in place, whether, you know, if a certain municipality has, you know, dog barking ordinance or things like that. Then you have the state dog warden who then can oh. do the bites, the kennel inspections, all that kind of stuff. And that creates a very confusing uh, situation for a lot of citizens because they don't know who to call. Who to call. Yeah. They don't know who does what. They don't know who to call. Um, so usually we end up fielding a lot of calls and referring calls out to whatever is the appropriate organization to deal with it. Um, Got so it. It also seems like sometimes even the officers who are in these positions don't know what they are and are not allowed to do. So a lot of times they respond to a call as animal control, specifically the private animal control organization, and then come to find out that that's actually, um, you know, neglect and cruelty, and they don't have the jurisdiction to handle that situation so that we get involved. But we're involved, you know, three steps into the process, which sometimes creates issues. Well, it sounds like Carol has some more legislation to work on in the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It, and so here, and, I, and I'll speak to Colorado and, and then Ashley, why don't you talk a little bit about Wisconsin, but uh, we basically do it all, right? The only time we're not involved with something, that's even, I don't even know if I should say it that way. The only time that like it's out of our purview is when we're working with a detective and then there's like felony case case stuff that that we're doing but typically we're working with them as well so we're you know responding to the bites we're picking up the strays we're doing the cruelty investigations and it sounds like there it's one hat per kind of thing and and that could be confusing for not only you as the investigator but the community as well yeah and it gets it gets even more dicey when you have um not specifically in Allegheny County, but I know there are other counties in Western PA that their officers are cross-trained. So their officers are trained as a humane officer, but their shelter has contracts as animal control. Um, so you can't do, but you can't wear two hats at once, basically. Um, so that creates an even more difficult situation when you respond to a situation that is, you know, by the call an animal control call and it ends up being a humane society police officer call for neglect or whatever and then you have a whole nother another Jeez. situation to deal with um thank god we don't have to deal with that uh because we are we only wear one hat but i know that that is an issue in other places as well are you are you armed we are not um we carry uh pepper spray um is is Kind of the worst the worst thing that we carry um do you with, with your position or do you have the authority to arrest yes yeah yes, we do okay so then you, you don't just carry have... but you can arrest <laughs> right um we kind of take the approach uh that um we 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 do our best and we do a lot of training to do de-escalation um we do bring local law enforcement with us if we do think that there could potentially be a situation uh, that might require that. Um, but no, we we don't carry any lethal weapon on us. We do have that and everything to keep us safe, but no lethal weapon. Okay. Do you wear a vest? 
Yes, we do. Okay. Well, at least there's that. Well, and then you would Mirandize or would you just let PD do it if you know, like, hey, you're out on a dog fighting or extreme cruelty and somebody needs to be arrested? Who does that? Um, if we have PD with us, um, we probably let them do most of it because if we're looking at, you know, dog fighting and everything, um, we're probably looking at charges that we can't file. So we, we are very limited to animal cruelty and neglect. So if there is drugs or guns or anything like that, we do not have the authority arrest them based on that um, okay. and a lot of times it's easier if we have pd there and involved and they're witnessing what's going on that they wrap those those animal charges in with the rest of their charges and just build a really deep case um, with those animal charges included has ne has nobody ever considered the fact that by having so many people having to work on a case that they are wasting their money <laughs> because they're paying all these different people to do these different things um, so actually, that's it's funny that you bring that up. Um, we recognize within the last year, especially with COVID, um, that there is a lot of kind of overlap in what we do, humane officers, what municipal police do, what um, animal control does, the state dog ward and the game commission, all of these different entities, they kind of exist in islands and nobody, we were seeing that nobody's really working with each other. And even though the overlap was there, we weren't kind of getting the most out of it. Um, so we've actually created, it's in very early stages, um, but we've actually begun to create the, uh, we're calling it the Western Pennsylvania Animal Cruelty Task Force. Um, and what we're trying to do is bring together all of these different agencies. Um, to discuss animal cruelty issues because they so often um, bring up a lot of other issues besides animal cruelty. Um, so we're seeing, you know, with dog fighting cases, it's not just the animal cruelty and the neglect and, and things like that. It's drugs and guns and gambling and, and, and all that other stuff that goes with that. And then, you know, you have a neglect case animals but then you also see maybe elder abuse or you see child abuse or something like that so we've begun to put together this task force so we bring all of these entities together and we can discuss what we can do as humane officers what animal control can do what the municipal departments can do we've got the attorney general um investigation officers we've got um higher end uh department um, of public safety with the city, um, a lot of a lot of different entities involved. So we can really start to to bring these people together and have the discussion and be able to kind of have that overlap, so that when when you know a municipal officer does like stumble upon this case, they know what resources exist, they know how to handle the calls themselves, so there isn't kind of that wasted time. And so they can properly respond to it because they know what resources exist to assist them with that that call. I think that's great. And so I honestly, there's there's so much I, I want to talk about. And I think as we continue just down the road, having these open lines of communication and talking about sharing our experiences is super huge. One of the things that I'd love to be able to do one day, and it's great that we have a NACA update here, is being able to create something. So we talked about the peer groups the last few episodes. It's being able to create something, whether it's NACA doing it uh, or us in general, like making connections with people is if let's say I'm like, let's say I'm traveling home to Pittsburgh for a, a little bit and I'm like, you know, I really want to go on a ride along with one of their departments, like creating a national ride along database where agencies are like, hey, like you can come here even if you're on, you know, we know you're a current animal protection officer. You don't like need to get any special clearance or anything like that. And so having having that ability like to see how you do it, how you operate in your city. I mean, it's great to have these conversations, uh, you know, on on the podcast and talk about it and learn, but then spending a few hours, a half a day, uh, a half a day, like chatting and, and seeing what you deal with would be such an amazing thing. And I just wanted to get your, your take on that. That's actually one of the, uh, one of our 
kind of smaller goals, um, not so much, you know, nationally, which I think would be a fantastic idea. Um, but one of the goals of the task force is to create that continuity uh, eventually among um, all the kind of surrounding counties. We're, we're starting in Allegheny County just to make it a little bit more manageable right now, um, which Allegheny County houses the city of Pittsburgh and we have the highest number of animal neglect and cruelty calls uh, actually within the state. Wow. Yeah. That's a, I think I would think Philadelphia, you know, would have uh, a high number. No, Phil, I, I want to say Philadelphia might be like third or fourth. Interesting. Um, last year, we had 13% of the calls in in the state for animal cruelty and neglect. I think I want to say it was like Bucks County or somebody had about like 5%. Okay. So we have we have the highest number by a good amount. Um, and honestly, I, I would attribute that not necessarily that we just have more cruelty and neglect in, in the county, um, but we have, obviously we have our organization, uh, Humane Animal Rescue has humane officers. And then Allegheny County District Attorney's um, office has an animal cruelty unit that specifically deals with animal cruelty and neglect calls. So. Um, I think the reason that we have such a high number is because we take animal cruelty and neglect very seriously in Allegheny County and our DA's office prosecute those cases, you know, as, to the fullest extent and, and as much as they can. So I think that's why we see the higher numbers. Got it. Um, but in the task force, what we, what we wanted to do and what kind of our longer term goal is, is to create continuity between main officers in Allegheny County and, and in the surrounding counties so that when we do have new officers come on, we can um, have those officers do ride-alongs with other, other officers in other counties so they can see how we do things, um, we can see how they do things, and then if they don't, you know, a, a lot of times what we, we are finding is that new officers are coming into shelters as the only officer. Mm -hmm. um, so this gives the opportunity that they can learn how to do the job from somebody who, who maybe has been on the job for at least a few years. Um, so they can kind of grasp the basics of how another department does their job. Well, um, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to talk about. And so as we introduce Adam Ritchie with NACA, the National Animal Care and Control Officers Association has NACA. What's up, Adam, by the way. Um, <laughs> How's it going? Hey, good. Has NACA ever thought about creating some sort of national database where like if you're in another state and you're like, you know, I got a few hours to kill. Could I do a ride along with this agency? Like having agencies that are open to doing that? So nothing that specific. Uh, I do know NACA towards the end of last year, we did put out the state resources where we wanted to be able to create a list where if you know, you needed a resource in, you know, whatever state that you're in or going to, you just have a list to be able to do that. And that's something that that state resource would allow officers to be able to do to make those connections, make those contacts. Got it. Cool. Well, maybe in the future we can expand on that and even house it here on the humane roundup.com. Uh, Cause I, I want people to be able to like, it's so different how we operate throughout the country. And so I want people to, to engage in that experience if they, if that's something they can do. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. I know when I started because I was, you know, I worked in a shelter for many years and stuff, but I didn't work in the law enforcement aspect of it. I went a couple cities over and trained with one of their humane officers because we didn't have a program. It was starting fresh. So I trained over there for a week to just do ride-alongs and stuff to get some kind of you know training that pertained to what i would be doing that definitely so adam what's up with the naca stuff man it's good to good to have you on i know we, you've been active on social media so whatever you want to chat about let's go oh it, i've been active on social media I, you know, i've been very cryptic on social media as well really <laughs> um so. yeah that's true you, you mean like I, I think that's a a conversation for probably another time. If you want me to come on and you want to set aside some time for some real in depth conversation, I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that with you all. I think it would be great. a good time, you know, to talk about the thirteen years I've been involved in this profession and why I'm stepping away. Um, yeah, so I think we should we'll definitely do that something for sure. 
that was what we talked about. I don't want to take away from NACA. NACA is still fantastic. It's a great organization. And so I'm still going to be part of NACA here over the um, coming months, even though I'm walking away from the profession, the bylaws uh, allow me to stay on for up to six months. Um, so I'm going to be helping through a transitional period um, as the um, longest tenured board member. So, you know, I'm still going to be part of NACA, still be on here doing some of these updates. And, you know, the big thing right now is the director of partnerships and programs. Um, the NACA board has gone and voted on a selection and they've approved that person and there will be uh, a formal uh, um, press release notification to the membership and everybody in the profession and everything there coming in the, you know, the coming days to weeks um, to formally announce who that individual is going to be. This, in, this individual is um, amazing. A lot of program um, background development, um, been in and around animal welfare, welfare I want to say close to 15 years. Uh, so, you mean, there, there's a lot there. It's really exciting. And that's really going to be the platform for, you mean, what NACA becomes in 2021 is getting that person established and getting them out there, starting to build those partnerships that NACA needs to be involved in and continuing to build the programs uh, in and around that NACA wants to maintain and also, you know, build in the future. You know, I can kind of loosely talk about discussing with some subject matter experts about developing new um not just virtual training, but in-person trainings as well. Conversations with um, higher learning institutes, with colleges and universities. So there's a lot of conversation that's going on and going to hopefully really expand out how often and where people can get access to training. And, you know, even with all the different training organizations that are out there with NACA included and LETI and AACIS and ACTS and all these things, all of us combined still are not reaching everyone that we need to. So even mm -hmm. there's some really great opportunities there. Absolutely. And we just heard it there in Pittsburgh where, you know, they have so many different roles and there's you kind of some, I would say gaps in the training or training requirements. So it's, it's good that NAC has taken kind of the lead on that. Yeah. And, you know, it's been one of those things of, you know, for the last couple of years um, with the training standards committee, there's been a lot of conversation about like, you know, what, what, what comes next, right? And what's already out there? Where are those gaps? You know, what can be developed? What makes sense for virtual learning? And what makes sense for in-person? You know, we're on the backside of COVID. We've got vaccinations. We, I still don't have an idea how, what the timeline is before really in-person training is really going to start taking off. I don't understand all the impacts to you mean to miss municipal bu budgets as to being able to get people in person. So there's still some stuff that through 2021 that's going to have to kind of like flesh itself out. Um, but but to be able to go out there and be able to say, OK, like what are what are people looking for? How do you make those you mean opportunities work? Because what the three of us, you know, that are on the call right now having this conversation are probably looking for three very different things in our continued training at this point, based off of where we've already been and gone and done. And, you know, how do you help the new officer all the way up to, you know, the most seasoned officer who has done a lot of things and has had a lot of training, but still wants more. Absolutely. And I think opening, opening those lines of communication, having feedback from people, and I think NACA does a good job on that. Like, what do you want to see in training? I know in previous times that I've been in a NACA training, we've asked those questions or those questions have been asked. So uh, that's that's always important, right? And then for our listeners who may train people, you know, just being creative, uh, coming up with topics that are that are new and timely is really important as well. Absolutely. And it's always new and changing times and, you know, in making sure that things are just continually available because, Again, everyone's at a different point in, in their development, in their profession and in, in their career and what you mean, what they would be looking forward to. And, you know, there, there there's needs for developing field train, um, training officer type things to create a little bit more, you know, systematic approaches to, OK, like here's really how you should be training officers like there, there needs to be some of that. You know, what happens when you become that supervisor? What happens when you become that manager? You know, the, you know, there, there's very little out there um, for those people. What about the people who eventually want to become that supervisor or that manager within their their department? And, you know, like, how do you start building yourself for those career things down the way? You know, over the 13 years I've been doing this, I kind of just been making it up as I went, um, it, you know, and it's worked. Not even, yeah, and not even touching on really handling things like 
if someone leaves your department, right? And, and having succession plans in place, if somebody was there and, and they handled every type of like a certain type of call or they handled conversations with the attorneys, whatever it may be, if we don't set those standards in place, uh, a department could be lost for a little bit trying to figure all that out. Well, anytime anyone leaves, you you lose some level of fundamental knowledge, right? Like, like mm-hmm. it just, you know, unless you just have 100 people that are working for you and everyone's really well versed, and then you're probably not going to have those gaps. But when you're a handful of people working together, there's something somebody was doing that nobody else had their finger on. And then all of a sudden they're not there. They're like, hey, how come this didn't get done? And everyone's like looking around going like, what do you do? <laughs> like, like it just, it, it's part of it. Like, and I, and I think there's a, a reality where we just have to accept like those things happen. Um, but also at the same time, you're hundred percent right on, you know, succession planning, um, you know, making sure that the individuals like frontline officers, you know, they're starting to get, you know, some seeds planted to them and information shared with them that kind of make them ready to be a field training officer or a lead or a supervisor and giving them opportunities along the way to just kind of get involved with some of those things rather than, you know, the manager or the supervisor holding everything in tight and like, well, this is my job and this is what I have to do. And really your job is to cultivate, I mean, the organization and you do that by releasing things out and letting people learn. Absolutely. So we're going to be a little bit over a week away from the National Animal Control Officer Appreciation Week. And that is the 11th through 17th of April. Yes. Does NACA have any plans? I know here on the Humane Roundup, we have some bonus episodes scheduled daily. So check that out that week. We're going to be popping up with uh, just hearing from officers around the country and just just getting getting them an opportunity to be heard and, and thank them for, for what they do. Does NACA have any type of plans that week? Yeah, um, so we're still finalizing all that um, with some of our partners. Uh, we're going to have some scholarship opportunities available um, that should start. You should start seeing some signups um, the first week of April for officers that are interested for some training scholarships uh, to be able to come in there. We're going to have some um, items to give away through raffles through that same sign up. And we'll also be um, talking a little bit about our new partnership with L.A. Police Gear. Um, they're going to be stepping up to offer a discount to all animal control officers through a discount code for the week of ACO Appreciation Week. So we'll be getting all that information out over here over the next week or two. Um, so that way people wanna start preparing and signing up for things and making some purchases because you can get a discount. Um, we're gonna be talking about all that in the coming week. Awesome. Is there anything that we didn't chat about with the updates with NACA this week that you wanted to add? No, nothing right now. Um, I, I'm excited. Maybe next month, uh, if hopefully we'll have the, the director of partnerships and programs in place, be able to bring them in, introduce them great. Yeah. Uh, to everyone of the profession and kind of get that going. And, you know, and I think for like the NAC updates, you know, that might be something we would transition over the next couple of months to that individual um, to start doing it. Obviously, the first month or two is really going to be them focus on like what's going on in NACA. What are those big, big projects that they need to start taking on? And so we'll we'll start figuring out that pathway. Have a special guest that wants to jump in really quick and ask a question and then carol and krista if you have questions that you want to jump in on feel free to for, ask away special guest i'm excited yeah special guest can you special, introduce yourself special. <laughs> hey what's going on guys hey, oh is this you? executive producer hildy yeah <laughs> what's going on what's up man not much i didn't have a question i just wanted to jump in because you guys were talking about um building emerging leaders or future leaders um and i just wanted to hop on really quick and talk about a program that i'm in right now um with the california animal control association um that merged from a bunch of different organizations but that's what i'm going to call it but um it's the junior executive leadership program with cow animals and uh it's a six month (laughs) Sorry, Wait, I keep hearing we... cow animals, like C-O-W. Oh, no, cow, <laughs> like C-A-L, like California. You haven't been on in a while, Hildy. I have to give you a crap about how you say stuff. I know, stuff. go away. Um, <laughs> anyways, this uh, program is just that, exactly what you guys are talking about. Um, this is the first session. I think there's about 30 of us in uh, this first session. And uh, so far, it's been great and something that they... Are hoping to continue and I hope um, spreads across the country because like you guys said like we need to be building up and teaching the next generation of leaders for sure. 
And is it virtual then? Yeah, it's, it's all virtual. Um, We have been on zoom, we've had speakers come in, Um, we have a group presentation that we're going to be presenting um, at the end of the program. And um, actually at the, uh, the conference, I should know this, but the state conference is coming up soon. And there's a happy hour with all of us participants in the program, um, just to kind of talk about the program and kind of what's going on with it. And then I think there's going to be like an, a, a separate presentation um, that talks about the program specifically. So I can get you guys that information if you want to share it. Absolutely. I think it's great to put on our website and Facebook page. We should do that. I know a lot of our listeners are there in California. So thanks for sharing that. Officer, oh, wait, I guess I can't call you that anymore. Executive <laughs> Director Hildy. Carol, Carol and Krista, did you have anything for NACA? No, that was a wonderful update. Thanks, Adam, for that. And thanks, Officer Hildy, for what you brought to the conversation. And we do have to apologize. We have a special uh, (laughs) short and stout guest in our office who, uh, unfortunately, you may have heard snoring throughout (laughs) the podcast. We apologize. (laughs) So what's the dog's name? This is, uh, we have Pinky with us, and he did come through uh, a humane investigation, and uh, we can't give too many details because his court case is still in the works. Got it. So uh, Pink gets to enjoy some time up here in my office to get out of the shelter environment and and try and relax a little bit, but he's kind of stout, and he has a very... (laughs) Tremendous snoring problems. <laughs> I think every, everyone, including our listeners, can totally relate to that. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing. We were wondering if it was some odd feedback or if there was a dog snoring. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually it's my cat screaming from the other room. So awesome. Well, it's, it's beautiful because this is probably one of the few times he's actually uh, had uh, relaxed enough to actually be snoring. And have a nice deep sleep. So that was good to see. We didn't want to interrupt well, it. <laughs> we don't. I don't really want to be known for that podcast that puts people to sleep. But I guess in this case, <laughs> with Pinky, it worked. So thanks so much for joining us. I, honestly, I, I think we're going to check back in with you in the coming coming months. Just we want to make sure that uh, the legislation that you're working on goes through. And if there's anything we can help here with, please let us know, and we'd be happy to support. We appreciate it. And this is for you. We appreciate it, Yins guys. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All my Pittsburghers out there know. Awesome. Adam, did you have anything else, man? No, I'm good. Just reach out to me if you want to have, have a, other types of conversations in the coming weeks. Yeah, let's do it. We'll get you on, man. We'd, we'd be happy to have a debrief, if you will. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks, man. And again, thanks for joining us on episode 73. Check us out, humaneroundup.com. Facebook, Instagram, check out H.O. Bishop, Facebook and Instagram, and Animal Protection Officer Daniel. And as always on the Humane Roundup, we keep it humane, May. <laughs> oh, my. Well, we got closer there, so that was good. Yeah, much closer. <laughs> much closer. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. That was great yeah. stuff. <laughs>